The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. It's a great honor to call upon Rabbi Yerachmiel Milstein. I was asked to say a few words about the late great Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein, Zechat Sadik Levracha. And that's a very difficult task because the Gemara itself has a difference of opinion as to what we're supposed to accomplish when we do a hespit, when we say a eulogy. Is it meant to be Yikra Demaisa, a proper respect for those who passed away, and therefore we're supposed to praise their actions because that's their covet, that's exactly what they deserve? Or is it Yikra Dechaya? Are we supposed to look at their lives and supposed to take away lessons for us and therefore the eulogy is meant to benefit us so that we can grow from the passing of this great person. Both those are difficult with Rabbi Wallerstein because he played a larger-than-life role in so many different areas. He was a tremendous baltzedakah. He was a tremendous mechanech. He was a tremendous, passionate Jew. He was an incredible Eved Neman, a, a servant of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He was someone who lived for the Klal. He was someone who accomplished on so many levels that many of us will never even know about. He created so many different projects that any one of which would be the crowning glory of achievement for regular people. And he did that all. So to be able to sit down and properly appreciate what he did during his lifetime as a sign of respect to him, we don't even know all that he accomplished. There's stories coming out about individuals whose grocery bills were paid. They were strangers to him. And he went into groceries and paid their grocery bills. They should be able to live. There are people whose rents were paid. I just found out recently from a very dear friend by Rabbi Wallerstein every single month. They were not famous people. They were not well-known people. They're not people who are the subject of charity, uh, public funds, you know, campaigns. None of that. And yet somehow he found these people and did it at the same time that he played such a major role on the, on the world stage with Avinu Malkeinu and things like that. Incredible. And then there's the Yikra Dechaya. The lessons we're supposed to take away. The Hespid that's meant for our benefit. We were supposed to learn from him. Well, it's something which is difficult because ultimately he was a man who realized such incredible potential coming from what he would say was a very average background. He, was, he would say he was a very average teenager. He wasn't brilliant. He wasn't great in many ways. He didn't shine in school. In fact, perhaps he spoke about that he was the opposite. So what does that mean for us? It means that we all have an obligation to reach beyond what we think our boundaries are, to reach beyond what we think our limited capabilities are, and to go out and to accomplish greatness on a daily basis, to go out and go beyond our comfort zone, to bust the envelope, to go out and crash all of the limitations that boxed us in, to explode as he exploded, each in our own way, Maybe we don't have all of the talents and skills that he had. Maybe we don't have exactly that passion that he had. But I think he would want us to know what is possible for people who think that they're average. And that is the great lesson for me. That if there's something out there that needs doing, don't think of all the reasons why you can't. Rabbi Wallerstein knew full well all the reasons why he couldn't. But he ignored those things. And he went on to become a person who was one of the greatest people of our generation. Each and every one of us has greatness locked away inside of us. We have the ability to emulate him in many, many ways. 
Let's not rest on our laurels. Let's not sit back and say someone else is going to do it. Let us take a lesson from him and let us approach life in a way where we understand that if a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants to help us, we will succeed. And therefore, we should never, ever, ever ignore a need of that Klai Yisrael has. May Kaddish Baruch Hu help every one of us, Be'ez Rashem, that we should have the ability, the insight, the greatness that we should rise above our limitations. And with that, we're going to hopefully address the greatest limitation Klai Yisrael has had, which is why hasn't Mashiach come until now? Break through that limitation and celebrate joyously. So people are like, I have no use in the world. I have no reason to be on mic. Then you wouldn't have gotten up this morning. Who I am is because of what happened to me. And if it wouldn't have happened to me, I wouldn't be who I am. The reason you're healthy is to appreciate. Because through your appreciation, you're connected to Hashem. If you don't appreciate, you're disconnected 100%. Your status in everything has to be equal. It can't be one thing more than the other. You can't sit home and say, money has to come to me, I'm not going to work. It should come to me. But everything else, I chase after. No, it doesn't work that way. Kaddish Baruch Hu has a special place in his heart for the person who struggles. You can't get rid of an emotion, but you can change an emotion. But Kaddish Baruch Hu understood that if a person doesn't appreciate what he sees, he sees his father and his mother, and he doesn't appreciate them, how is he going to appreciate me? He doesn't see me. So it's a breakdown in connection. If you're not connected with your parents, you cannot be connected with me. It is a great honor to call upon Rabbi Joey Haber from Brooklyn, New York, who is inspiring for, for, through, through his tremendous efforts, who has so many students, and he's such a tremendous powerhouse, tremendous speaker. It's a great honor to call upon Rabbi Joey Haber. I'd like to share with you what inspired me most about Rabbi Wallerstein. I never met him. I never shook his hand. But, and my knowledge of him was like everybody else. You'd hear his clips. You'd hear his shiurim. Tisha above night in our house was standard. I'd come home and from shul and see the girls already sitting on the floor. My wife, my daughters, some of my sister-in-law and sisters sitting on the floor listening to Rabbi Wallerstein's incredibly inspiring words. The whole family would be mesmerized by his words on Tisha above night. That's the one that I remember most uniquely. But what inspired me most was this. I was once asked to come and speak at one of Rabbi Wallerstein's institutions. I don't remember which one it was. It was years ago. And it was to a very small group of girls. And I walked inside, and I really was hard to watch what I was seeing. There were different types of girls with very different backgrounds that clearly had tremendous challenges. It was difficult to speak. It was difficult to find the right words. It was difficult to know what would resonate with them. It was difficult to make them even hear me. And I walked out of there and I said, Rabbi Wallerstein, what kind of incredible person is this? What kind of incredible person is this that he takes every single person to him is a Rebetzin? There's no difference what her background is, what her challenges are, what her nisyanis are, what her obstacles are. Every girl to him is royalty. Every girl to him is a Rebetzin. And every person in Kalal Yisrael that he interacted with he did it with a respect and a dignity. Like, I don't know if you could almost find anybody else who does it that way. You know, I happen to also work with young people. 
and to see someone do such an incredible job at it is inspiring to me. And the second piece to this, which to me is important to mention, is how Rabbi Wallace managed to do this, Altairus HaKodesh. How Rabbi Wallace managed to do this with complete purity and be able to keep himself in the right way with the right boundaries and the right, the right walls and the right, right methods and the right words while being involved in sometimes very people with very challenging backgrounds to me is incredible because Rabbi Wallerstein has a pristine reputation. A person who was able to understand and go down to understanding the deepest challenges in the Jewish world while still maintaining the loftiest levels in our communities. For Rabbi Wallerstein to be able to accomplish both to me is an incredible achievement. So he's a man I never met and never knew. But he's a man who had a unique impact on me as something in many ways to aspire to. So Rabbi Wallerstein, Klai Yisrael will never be the same without you. But we will be inspired because of you. And all of us that have the opportunity to speak and to inspire have a little bit of you in us. Thank you. When you help other people and you think like, oh my God, look what I did for that other person. At the same time that you're saving the other person, you're saving yourself. When I see someone that's not keeping Shabbos, that's not eating kosher, that's not shemini gear, that, that's not doing the right thing, instead of getting angry, I'm like, oh boy, we got a diamond for this person. One moment in this world, working for Hashem, helping his children, helping his world be a better place, says the Mishnah is better than the whole next world because in the next world you don't work for Hashem when you take it internally and you know that no matter what I'm going through it's for my good it's, it's, it's simcha it's clarity it's a different life there's no better feeling in this world than getting things because you earn them Hashem is not bad at putting things together there's no one extra in this world if you woke up this morning and you are here it is your job and your mission to figure out why Rabbi Haber, our next speaker is Rabbi Lazar Brody, who was so close to Rabbi Wallerstein. He's um, he he they were that Rabbi as Rabbi Brody mentioned in, in his previous in, in his tour, which he just did a few weeks ago for Chazak, and 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 he he dedicated the entire tour to Rabbi Wallerstein. He's spoken so many communities. He's spoken Brooklyn. He's spoken he's spoken Roslyn for Chazak, and then, then then he then he went to Mexico City, and he went to Los Angeles, and so many other places. So Rabbi Brody was. So close to Rabbi Wallerstein, and it's our great honor to call upon Rabbi Brody this evening for some, for some remarks. With Hashem's loving grace, I want to say a few words. And Louis Nishmas, our beloved Rav, spiritual brother and dear friend, Rabbi Zachaleh Wallerstein, Zachariah Shimon Akoyim ben Yitzchak. Many people, they don't fulfill their potential in Torah. Not only men, but women also. There's a lot of guys that are down on themselves say, I can't learn to, I can't understand the Gemara, I can't. Well, nowadays, we have many tools that you can understand. There's Schottenstein Gemara, and there's translated Gemara, and if you're a Hebrew speaker, there's Schottenstein in Hebrew, and if you're an English speaker, in English. And Baruch Hashem, there's many learning aids. They have Daf Yomi on the telephone, wherever. But the thing is, an important part of Amuna is believing in yourself. If Hashem brought you into a wonderful people, gave you a Yiddish neshama, a Jewish neshama, 
when you have the capability of learning Torah. This is a lesson that we learned from Rav Zechariah. Where Zechariah, Rav Zechariah had no such thing as, I can't, I can't. He said, you could do it. Make it happen, was what Rav Zechariah used to say. Make it happen. He saw things happening that no one else was doing. In Pirkei Ovas it says, B'mokom she'en ish, name Hillel, where there's no man, you be the man. Where there's no person, you be the person. Where you see, and this was the whole purpose of uh, th this trip to America and Mexico, right after uh, Reb Zechariah left us, and our trip in his beloved memory, is imagine that his life's work is like a, a fumbled football. And we can't let the dark side recover that fumble because Rabbi Zechariah did something that no one else did. We have to recover the fumble. But the first thing of us, how do we do that? He wanted to bring every single Jew closer to Hashem. And he started with the population that no one was helping. Kids that were, couldn't find their way, kids who were confused, kids were off the derech. And he brought them back into Torah. But here's something, an important principle. If someone wants to borrow $100 from you, and you don't have $100 in your pocket, you can't lend them $100. For someone, for us to continue in Rabbi Zechariah's work and to be mekarev and to be bring others close to Hashem, we can't bring others close to Hashem if we're far away from Hashem. We have to bring ourselves close to Hashem. So how do we do that? On Shavuot, we have a renewed reception of Torah. Am Yisrael, it's not just something nice, but actually there is a spirit of renewal, renewed Torah. We receive the Torah new. And as we get from the culmination of counting in the Omer, preparing our neshamot, the 49 sphere, the 49 phases of our neshama, preparing it for the 50th, the 50th bina, that's the 50th gate, and to receive Torah. We strengthen ourselves in Torah, and something magical happens. We're Makai of everyone else. Not only that, but Torah in Simcha. Torah in Simcha. We learn Torah with joy. The Torah, we run to Mincha, we run to Aravid, we run to Shachrit with a smile on our face. We do our mitzvot, the simcha, we do them with a smile on our face. And you know what happens? You become the greatest outreach individual in the world. People ask me, well, I want a career as an outreach rav. A rabbi Zechariah, he didn't decide he's going to have a career businessman. But he started doing what needed to be doing. And he became the greatest in what he did. The greatest rabbinical speaker and the greatest outreach rabbi and the greatest educator. And he didn't decide that he's going to have a career in this. He just did what he'd do. And he started with strength himself. And with himself, he had no limitations. He said, there's nothing he can't do. Because maybe he personally can't do it. But what happened? Rabbi Zechariah was such a bout and munah. He had such strong emunah. He knew he had Hashem. Hashem, you could do it. You could do it. It's not my strength. It's not my biceps. It's you, Hashem. <laughs> we sing it then we sing it no deal, no deal. It's it's only you Hashem. Only you Hashem. That's Ainul Bivatu. Only Hashem. We strengthen ourselves in Torah. We strengthen our love of Torah. We have such a love of Torah and a love of the mitzvot. We have a smile on our face. We're just walking down the street. You're walking down the street in Flatbush and you're down in Avenue New, and there's a Jew that maybe is not so close, he's far away. And he says, uh, what's this guy so happy about? Oh, this guy, he's got a chavrut every day. He learns between Mencha and Marif. He lives a Torah lifestyle. Torah lifestyle. Torah makes you happy? Sure. And King David said in Tehillim, that the words of Torah, they're straight. They straighten out your neshama. Crooked neshama is, a, is unhappy. A straight neshama. 
It's like the light, Hashem's divine light could go through this straight neshama. It's like a straight tube. When the tube is crooked, then the, the, light, the divine light can't come in. We straighten our neshamas and this gives us, gives us happiness, gives us joy. And, God, and the, the joy brings us to amuna. Amuna brings us to kedusha. You can't have amuna without joy. And joy, all the mitzvot of Torah are dependent on emuna, because King David says in Psalm 1, they call mitzvot techa emuna. It's all emuna. And we know without, without emuna, without emuna, you can't learn Torah. So we have to prepare ourselves to receive the Torah anew this year. Let's receive the Torah anew with, with, with better emuna. We strengthen our emuna. And Rabbi Akiva told us this. Rabbi Akiva told us that the, the whole Torah is the whole Torah is loving your neighbors yourself. You can't love your neighbors yourself. You don't have a muna. Because people say oh, they, they're, they're like this group and this group, and sometimes there's even one particular group that's splintered in half. And it kills Jewish unity, and it kills, we have to be, that's one thing. We have to be unified to receive the Torah. Because the one place where it says, Yisrael every place says, in plural. But when it came to Matan Torah, and Israel, Rashi tells us, like one people with one heart. One people with one heart. And we love each, our fellow Jew, as we love ourselves. How can we do this? When we believe that Hashem created each one unique, Hashem created each one with their own special, special aptitude. So this was Limud Torah. Not everybody has to be a Gemara scholar. Okay, if you have the Chiyas yet from particular branch of Torah, you love Midrashim, learn Midrashim. Learn what Torah Hanoch Lanar Pidarko, King Solomon said, that a, you, you educate the boy according to his own aptitudes. You have to, the job. We have to educate ourselves according to our aptitudes. Learn the Torah that makes you happy. Learn the Torah Pukudeh Hashem Mesam Chelev. Okay, Yeshari Mesam Chelev. And women, talking about women. Learn Torah. Learn Torah. Learn learn Tehillim. Have a, have a study group of Tehillim. Have a study group of Emunah. Learn Emunah. Learn Bitachon. It gives you so much joy. And you know the great thing about what a, a, a Jewish mother and a Jewish father learn Emunah? It goes automatically into the DNA of the kids. And people ask me, what do we do to keep the kids on the derech? Well, first thing, when mom and dad have simchat in their lives, and mom and dad serve Hashem with joy, and mom and dad pray with joy and learn with joy. Dad's Torah and mom's Torah. What's it with the, the Torah that's connected with Torah? The, okay, mom doesn't learn the Gemara and Toys Fist. Dad does. Okay, but mom, she's got her group with, with the Emunah group and the Chafetz Chaim group and maybe a group in the V on Shabbat. Okay, and women get together and learn. Learn, get together. And it's a good way to make friends because when you learn Torah together, your souls are open, they're, they're wide open, and you go right in there. And this is, this is the achdut. So what happens? You become happier, you become stronger in your emunah, you become stronger in your avas Yisrael, and your kids see, wow, mom and dad, they love each other, they, they love every Jew, they love each other, and they love every other Jew, and you have the homes, heaven forbid, where they, they talk bad about other Jews, and they talk bad about Rebbeim, and this was like this, and this was like this, and this is no good, and this is no good. Heaven forbid, heaven forbid. We don't want that in the home. We want only positivity and no negativity. And the Torah, the Torah, it's, it's all positive. It's all joy. And this is the mitzvahs of Torah. And the lots of Torah it brings joy into your life, brings joy into the family. 
And in a house of joy, the kids aren't going to look for jollies and joy out in the sidewalk. They got it at home. But when do they look? Heaven forbid, heaven forbid, they graze in strange pastures to say it nicely. It's because they're, they're hungry. They, they don't have the joy at home. Everyone wants joy in their life. So let's this walk strengthen ourselves in joy. And every strengthening we do in joy, this habit of the Yudhishmas, Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein, he did so much for Kla Yisrael. He did so much for all of us. We owe him two things. We owe him, number one, to strengthen ourselves. And we owe him, number two, to continue in his holy projects and not let them fall by the wayside. We have a solemn, solemn duty, all of us, to continue and bring people closer to Hashem and helping young people and saving young people and bringing them back into the fold. And you know something? When you help Hashem's young people, you bring young people back to Hashem as lost kids. Hashem will bring everything you need back to you and all your heart's wishes for the best. So we wish that Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein's holy neshama should intercede on our behalf and everyone should have a wonderful shvuot and all your heart's wishes for the best, every single blessing in material, spiritual abundance. Amen. God bless. So people are like, I have no use in the world. I have no reason to be here. I'm like, then you wouldn't have gotten up this morning. Who I am is because of what happened to me. And if it wouldn't have happened to me, I wouldn't be who I am. The reason you're healthy is to appreciate. Because through your appreciation, you're connected to Hashem. If you don't appreciate, you're disconnected 100%. Your status in everything has to be equal. You can't be in one thing more than the other. You can't sit home and say, money has to come to me. I'm not going to work. It should come to me. But everything else, I chase after. No, it doesn't work that way. Kaddish Baruch who has a special place in his heart for the person who struggles. Can't get rid of an emotion, but you can change an emotion. But Kaddish Baruch who understood that if a person doesn't appreciate what he sees, he sees his father and his mother, and he doesn't appreciate them, how is he going to appreciate me? He doesn't see me. So it's a breakdown in connection. If you're not connected with your parents, you cannot be connected with me. Thank you, Rabbi Brody. Our next speaker is Rabbi Dovi Ben Shushan. As you know, Rabbi, Rabbi Ben Shushan was also very close to Rabbi Wallerstein. And, and uh, Rabbi Dovi is a, is a tremendous kayak for Kla Yisrael. He's the Rav of Magin Avraham. And, and his, his shirim inspired tens of thousands of people on a daily, on a daily basis. It's a great honor to call upon Rabbi Ben Shushan. We had a Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein. Zechit Tzadik Lebracha. A guy that was told, and he told this to me personally, and he said it many times on his classes, a guy that was told by many educators that nothing big will ever come out of him. He'll never amount to anything special. He had a little bit, I don't know if you picked it up, he had a slight lisp. They told him he'll never ever be a speaker, forget about that, never. He'll never be a Rebbe. He'll never be an educator. No way. Who knows what's going to come out of this guy? Educator? Not only did his Dirashot reach four corners of the world as one of the most sought-after speakers in Klal Yisrael, not only he was a top, top Rebbe in Yeshiva Mil Basin, and he turned the lives around of so many boys that so many people couldn't reach. They didn't know the Molochah of how to reach them. But he was a man with a vision and foresight that did things for Klal Yisrael 
that he, Reb Zechariah, especially when it came to our righteous women, broke down doors that no one had even the omits to begin to bang on. And he broke down those doors. And he didn't care. He went and opened the ranch because they needed it. He opened Ornava because they needed it. He opened everything he did because Klal Yisrael needed it. He went flying around the world, Avinu Malkeinu here, Avinu Malkeinu here, Avinu Malkeinu there, because Klal Yisrael needed it. He had every door locked on him. Every door was slammed on his face. No one gave the guy a break. Nobody. And he did never throw in the towel. Never gave up. He continued to scream and continued to fight and continued to break down doors. You go online and listen to some of his speeches by the Aguda Conventions. You'll hear what I'm talking about. He came there with fire, crying, screaming in front of Gidolim, in front of Klal Yisrael about the plight of so many of our young and how so many were getting a very raw deal and so many needed so different of a style of Yeshuot and education. These are the people today that are persevering. These are the ones that are carrying Klal Yisrael. How many of us were told by someone at some point in life, in our journey, that nothing was meant to come good out of you? How many of us were made to feel like we were below average? Or we just didn't have what it takes to succeed? How many of us were made to feel like we were dumb Dumb, that we just didn't have the kalim to become anything real, anything good, anything powerful. How many of us? And we are still holding on to the pain of all those people that called themselves guidance and educators. Little did they know how many nishamot they broke. But in the interim, you should know a word of consolement. That yes, they trampled on you. Yes, they broke you as they broke many of us. But I do want to tell you, they put you in a position to give you the anger and the fight to want to fight back to become great. Because it was them who put your back to the wall and slammed the door on your face and put you in a position to bring out your biggest strength, the greatest compliment to Hashem, that where everything was closed back on you in dark, you didn't throw in the towel. You didn't give up, but instead you screamed, Abba, I still have another round. I'm going to break this through. You're going to help me and I'm going to show them that I'm going to become something great in Klal Israel. And that's the greatness of our generation. Thank you for listening. When you help other people and you think like, oh my God, look what I did for that other person. At the same time that you're saving the other person, you're saving yourself. When I see someone that's not keeping Shabbos, that's not eating kosher, that's not shemini gear, that that's not doing the right thing, instead of getting angry, I'm like, oh boy, we got a dollar for this person. One moment in this world, working for Hashem, helping his children, helping his world be a better place, says the Mishnah is better than the whole next world, because in the next world you don't work for Hashem. When you take it internally and you know that no matter what I'm going through, it's for my good, it's, it's, it's simcha, it's clarity. 
It's a It's a different life. There is no better feeling in this world than getting things because you earn them. Hashem is not bad at putting things together. There's no one extra in this world. If you woke up this morning and you are here, it is your job and your mission to figure out why. Thank you, Rabbi Ben Shushan. Our next speaker is Rabbi Yisrael Majeski from Los Angeles, who is the Rav of Lev Simcha in Los Angeles. He's a tremendous kayak for Kaisha, who was so close to Rabbi Wallerstein. It's a great honor to call upon Rabbi Majeski. We all miss Rabbi Wallerstein, and I wrote down a few words expressing the way I feel. What can I say that hasn't been said? What can I write that hasn't been read? You're so vibrant, so genuine, so sincere, and so real. Hope and inspiration you made us all feel. How can it be you're gone, a man with such strength, who went around the world and traveled at great length, just to be mechazik a yid or help a girl in pain, from Israel to Antwerp, Texas or Maine? It didn't make a difference what type of Jew you were, Mizrahi, Yeshivich, Labavich or Satmer. He didn't care what you wore on your head. He focused on your soul and looked at your heart instead. Nothing could stop him, no worry or fear. He said what needed to be said and was always very clear. All he cared about was the honor of Hashem. And he said it not once, but over and over again. Some Askanim get busy with the cloud left and right, taking care of Yidin all day and night. Their own family at times gets pushed to the side as Yidin pour out their hearts and their homes open wide. But not you, dear Rebbe. You taught us all how to act. That family is always first, and that's a matter of fact. You were always there for them to get anything done. Being a husband, father, and Zaidi was your priority number one. You had a company and enough money to spend. You didn't need organizations with bills on end, headaches and fundraising all day and night, but it was all worth it just for one girl to get her life all right. An unbelievable friend, you'd go the extra mile. When no one else was able to, you'd make someone smile. The world's problems on your shoulders, but you were never alone. It was you and Hashem with your little flip phone. You aren't just a rabbi, but a Rebbe bar none. If a student ever needed you, consider it done. Without any noise or any fanfare, everyone knew that you were always there. Are you really gone? Can it really be? Who will take care of these girls from A to Z? Who will bring them flowers every Friday? Who will pick them up when they fall? Who will walk them down their chuppah? Who will now answer their call? You live by this mantra which made you different from all. No mission too big, no task was too small. To save Hashem's child, one question you'd hone. What would I do if this child were my own? You took so many girls off of the street, got them the help they needed and put them back on their feet. But for girls with trauma who were abandoned and berated, more needed to be done and the ranch was created. But what would you say if you could speak just one more time? That's a question asked by thousands. That's not just mine. But I think we all know the answer because actually you told us before. You would want us to continue and keep doing more. You would ask us to do more to help another Jew. Stop thinking about life in a way that's just about you. Live for someone else and never stop giving because that's your whole purpose, you'd say. That's why you're living. There's truly a void in the world that will be tough to fill to fight for Hashem and to do His will, not for the money, the glory, or fame, but just for His love to sanctify His name. Most of all, 
You've taught me in your short life here how much one can accomplish if you'd really care. Because everyone saw the same problems, that's true. But our Nava was created because it really bothered you. We all miss you beyond comprehension. And we know you're busy right now. You have Hashem's full attention. Begging and pleading without any delay for Mashiach to come quickly right away. He doesn't have a choice. To you, he must listen. You dedicated your life to help all his children. That will see you real soon. We all have Amuna serving in the Beis HaMikdash with your big day kahuna. We miss you. Rabbi Majeski, our next speaker this evening is Rabbi Yaniv Meirov, CEO and founder of, of the Chazak organization, who was so close to Rabbi Wallerstein for so many years, organizing so many events and sharing them together. As we know, Rabbi Wallerstein spoke at the big Chazak event on so many occasions, and we spoke for Chazak on, on, uh, for, for, so many, for so many years, all the way back from the beginning of Chazak itself. It's a great honor to call upon Rabbi Yaniv Meirov. Rabbi Zechariah Warstein Zatzal will forever be remembered in the minds and hearts of the entire class of the Jewish people as a man that has founded Ornava and the ranch and all of its various different programs under it. But in my humble opinion, one thing that really stuck out and I learned and tried to emulate is Akaratatov, his appreciation. This voice message that he sent me after the Chazak event that he spoke at says it all. Thank you for last night. Mamish gave me back my life that I was able to give a share. That's where I lost in life. Basically, what happened was that uh, this is when uh, COVID was calming down and the shul started opening up, and we had a request to have a shear for a yard site, and uh, we wanted Rabbi Warsin to come. Unfortunately, when I reached out to him, he had COVID, and he said, Listen, at this moment, the way it looks like, I'm not going to be able to do it. But maybe because of this, the merit that I'm going to agree to speak, whatever it was, a week later, I'll feel better. So I'm like, okay, Rabbi, we're putting uh, the info on the flyer. And that's what we did in Baruch Hashem right before uh, the event, whether it was a day or two before, Baruch Hashem was negative. And he came and he gave a, a sheer full of energy. Baruch Hashem inspired so many people. And the next morning, I hear and I see this voice message. Who does such a thing? You know, in our line of work, we're always busy, always running around, making things happen from here to there. But Rabbi Warrison had hakarata, he had appreciation, he had an attitude of gratitude, and this is something on a personal level I'm going to work on. And every single one of us should take it upon ourselves to emulate his ways and show appreciation. And Bezat Hashem, if we do so, we should be zachir, we should marry to see the Gilashkem, the complete redemption, with Tchiyatamitim, with the resurrection of the dead. So people are like, I have no use in the world. I have no reason to be here. I'm like, then you wouldn't have gotten up this morning. Who I am is because of what happened to me. And if it wouldn't have happened to me, I wouldn't be who I am. The reason you're healthy is to appreciate. Because through your appreciation, you're connected to Hashem. If you don't appreciate, you're disconnected 100%. Your status in everything has to be equal. You can't be in one thing more than the other. Can't sit home and say, money has to come to me, I'm not going to work. It should come to me. But everything else, I chase after. No, it doesn't work that way. Kaddish Baruch Hu has a special place in his heart for the person who struggles. You can't get rid of an emotion, but you can change an emotion. Kaddish Baruch Hu understood that if a person doesn't appreciate what he sees, 
he sees his father and his mother, and he doesn't appreciate them, how is he going to appreciate me? He doesn't see me. So it's a breakdown in connection. If you're not connected with your parents, you cannot be connected with me. Thank you, Rabbi Meirov. Our next speaker is Rabbi Eliezer Krohn. Rabbi Krohn is, is from Pase is, is, lives currently in Passaic, New Jersey. He is, is a tremendous, is, he's a tremendous is, um, speaker and author and moel. It's a great honor to go upon Rabbi Krohn. My name is Eliezer Krohn, and I'd like to share with you something that I feel is very special about Rabbi Wallerstein, Sechrein Levracha. You'll hear a lot of amazing, amazing things, and I know you might think that what I'm about to tell you is just very simple, but I think it's really very deep. A few years ago, I had the great schus of teaching in a seminary, Benoz Bina, which was under Rabbi Wallerstein's leadership. He was the principal. I taught there Tuesday and Thursday mornings, four periods a week. And for me, it was a very different type of experience. I teach halacha, and that's what I taught over there. But in other schools that I teach in are Beis Yaakov girls that have a certain background. This was a different type of class. A lot of times I didn't even end up getting to the actual halacha. The girls wanted to talk and about life and about uh, Yiddishkeit and, and, and other things sometimes. At the end of the school year, um, all the girls got together, some of which were not my students, um, but a lot of the, most of the girls were my students from the two classes that I had. And there was like a banquet at the end of the year. And it was on a Tuesday or Thursday morning, so I was able to uh, attend the banquet. And Rabbi Wallerstein was at the head of the table. I was next to him on the side. And we went around the whole table. And every girl, Rabbi Wallerstein told them, they took turns. He said, I want you to say something that you're appreciative for, that you're happy about, and that was a good, was good about the school year. Not about life in general, but specifically about the school year. Something, tell me something positive about the school year. And you know, everybody has ups and downs. But these girls in the school, maybe they have maybe more downs than, than other people are accustomed to. Rabbi Wallenstein was trying to stress to them that there's always good in life. There's always going to be bad, but there's always good in life. Even in a school year, a lot of girls didn't like to uh, sit in class and the rules were, the rule was, you know, I have a phone during class. Not always was that kept, um, but they, they had challenges and their struggles and the girls pushed and they pushed and they persevered and they overcame their challenges. And he wanted to speak that out, say it out, tell everybody, in front of everybody. A lot of the girls got very emotional and, uh, and, and, and were crying at certain points, what they were thankful for to the teachers, to Rabbi Wallerstein, of course, and to the other girls um, that were their classmates and their friends. And you know, I think it's so, so, so important because the Pasuk says in this past week's parasha, V'chizak the boy. And that means that to a poor person, you shouldn't just not only give them $5, $100, $1,000 for tzedakah. That's great, and that's a, a fantastic mitzvah. But the Rambam says, V'chizak the boy means that give them chizuk, give them the strength to move on on their own. The Rambam says the best tzedakah you could do for a person is get them a job, because then they could be self-sufficient. Not just that you gave them money, but now they could take care of themselves, and they could feel that they're, they're able to approach life on their own. They don't have to feel like they're coming on to other people. And that's what he was trying to stress to them, perhaps, that you have good. You have good in your life. 
And Rabbi Wallerstein's goal was not just simply to walk the girls and the boys uh, along their path, but give them the ability to go on their own, give them roots, give them wings. Sometimes they came from families that they weren't able to get that. That was his goal. And maybe the best accomplishment would be if they're able to just go on with life on their own and not even have to look back and only uh, you know call back to give to give updates but to give them their own strength and the way that that can be done is by focusing on the positive for the girls for the boys for all of his students that's what he wanted and he said what he felt needed to be said and but but in a loving caring way and he wanted to show them that they are special you are special i've heard i heard him say that so many times that every girl every boy is special and 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 because of that you should be able to find that inner strength to move on and bez hashem every wallerstein who 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 davened for all of his students and all of klal yisrael he's right next to the kisi covered and uh all of the people that worked and studied under him will be able to move forward, to take life for its fullest and use it for its fullest. And Rabbi Wallerstein will be able to look down upon all of us and get a lot, a lot of nachas. When you help other people and you think like, oh my God, look what I did for that other person. At the same time that you're saving the other person, you're saving yourself. When I see someone that's not keeping Shabbos, that's not eating kosher, that's not shemini gia, that that's not doing the right thing, instead of getting angry, I'm like, oh boy, we got to dive for this person. One moment in this world, working for Hashem, helping his children, helping his world be a better place, says the Mishnah is better than the whole next world, because in the next world you don't work for Hashem. When you take it internally and you know that no matter what I'm going through, it's for my good, it's, it's, it's simcha, it's clarity. It's a It's a different life. There's no better feeling in this world than getting things because you earned them. Hashem is not bad at putting things together. There's no one extra in this world. If you woke up this morning and you are here, it is your job and your mission to figure out why. Thank you, Rabbi Eliezer Krohn. Our next speaker is Rabbi Reuven Epstein, who, 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 who is such a tremendous speaker and author, and, and who is so close uh, with Rabbi Wallerstein. It's a great honor to call upon some, some, some moving remarks for right now from Rabbi Epstein. So I was once sitting with Rabbi Wallerstein, with a young man who was struggling with a certain addiction, and Rabbi Wallerstein was asking this guy question after question after question, and I was sitting in this meeting taking notes, of all like the various parts of what this guy was struggling with. And Rabbi Wallace was just peppering him with this question and that question, just to get like an understanding of who he was, what he needed, which program to send him to. And I don't know much about addiction, so I was just sitting there just, you know, taking notes as Rabbi Wallace was asking all these questions. At the end of the meeting, Rabbi Wallace turned to me and turns to this guy and he says, okay, you know, now that we have everything on the table and everything's clear, uh, he tells this guy, you know, you'll follow up with him and the two of you will be in touch and, you know, he'll keep me apprised of everything that I need to know and, you know, l'chaim u'l'shalom, have a great day. So this guy left the meeting and Rabbi Wallerstein turned to me and he says, you know, I just sat here, we sat here for maybe an hour and a half, two hours and 
all these questions that came up and all these things that this guy was telling us. So Rebbe said, I just want you to know that there were three things that I asked him that he was lying about. And he told me, within your notes, go ahead and make a mark that this question, this question, this question, the guy was lying about them. So I was like, okay, I don't know how he knows that, but all right, you know, it's a suspicion, I guess, you know. Anyways, I met this guy like a week later and we sat down and as we were like going over his story again, so I said to him, um, you know, I have a funny question to ask you, but like on this thing, you know, what's the story here? And the guy admitted to me, he said, yeah, I was, you know, I was lying to Robbie Wallerstein about that, but here's the truth. And then the next question I asked him, he said, yeah, same thing. And the third one as well. And, you know, he said, don't tell Robbie Wallerstein this, <laughs> just between me and you. And we, we sat, we had the meeting, and then I came back to Rabbi Wallace, and I turned to him and I said, you know, it's very interesting because we were there for two hours. And of all the things that were said, there were three specific points that you picked up on that you knew instantly that this guy was lying. I didn't pick up on it. I thought this guy for sure was telling the truth. How is that possible? Like, how did you do that? How did how, you do that? And he brushed it aside and didn't really answer it straight up. But... He was definitely on the mark. And when I look back at that story, which doesn't even seem like such a major story, um, I think that there's a certain depth there in the sense that Rabbi Wallerstein, his kayach, was not just that he answered the call for people. He cared so much about each and every person that in a certain sense, and this he told me, he would put himself almost in their place. He never judged anybody. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't trying to like judge them. He was trying to understand their struggles of what they are going through. And he would put himself in their place so he could feel their pain so that he can help them from like a healthy place, get themselves to be better. So in my mind, this story was so small until I look back and I realized that Rabbi Wallerstein understood this guy and his struggles in a certain sense just as well, maybe even better than this guy himself. He knew that somebody in such a matzav would for sure have been doing A, B, and C. And he knew that a guy who did A, B, and C, who was in such a, such a matzav, that when he was asked about it, he was going to lie about it. So he asked the question, and the second the guy gave the answer, Rabbi Wallerstein intuitively knew, yeah, A, B, and C, I know you're lying. You know you're lying. But it's fine, because as long as I know you and what you're going through and what your struggles are, I'm able to help you. The uniqueness of Rabbi Wallenstein was such that he literally was able to tune into people's pain, people who are in the lowest places, and connect with those feelings in order to help them bring themselves to, to see the light. And I think it was the uniqueness of, of, of a giant because there's many people who want to do chesed, there's many people who actually do chesed, they do tremendous things for people. But there's very few people who actually put themselves in the place of the person who's coming to them. And if there's one thing that we could take out of Rabbi Wallerstein's life is the idea of not just being empathetic to a cause, but being empathetic to each and every person who calls on us, who comes to us. And if we're able to do that and continue the legacy that he lived intuitively could really make the world such a more beautiful and better place.
Thank you, Rabbi Epstein. Our next speaker is Rabbi Label Lamb. As we know, Rabbi Lamb was so close to Rabbi Wallerstein, and, and sometimes with Rabbi Wallerstein, um, um, he, he would sometimes um, substitute for Rabbi Wallerstein if, if, uh, if he wasn't available for, 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 maybe one of the, for maybe one of his weekly shiurim. And, and Rabbi Lamb um, um, was a, such a tremendous speaker in Kayak. He, and for many, he lives in months in New York. Is a grand honor upon Rabbi Label Lamb. Rabbi Wallerstein was a masterful teacher. He was alive. He was spontaneous. He was real. And his words penetrated the listeners. He came to class and he spoke not about frumkeit and externalities. He spoke about Hashem. And I remember one day he was asking the girls if they could say, I love you, Hashem. Say those words. Bring them onto your lips and express your love to Hashem. And he was amazed that they couldn't say it. They couldn't whisper it. They weren't able to say it out loud. And so he told them, I'm not afraid. I'll go outside and I'll say it in front of everybody. And I was a witness to this event. He went out in front of the building on 23rd and V, where there's a giant public school across the street. And he shouted into the sky and he shouted, Hashem, I love you, Hashem. What's love? Give me a hug. And the girls were laughing and giggling. And then he petitioned to them, go ahead, say it. And it wasn't easy. But by the time the class was over, and by the time the year was over, the girls found it much, much easier. And they were entirely comfortable with this notion of saying to Hashem directly, I love you, Hashem. So he not only talked about Hashem, but he connected other people to Hashem and showed them how to connect to Hashem because he was connected to Hashem. Like Abraham Avinu, if you see a good movie, you want to share it with somebody else. If you read a good book, you don't want to keep it for yourself. You want to share it with somebody else. And if you find out how sweet Hashem is, Tamu Uru'u Kitov Hashem, and you find out how good Hashem is, then you want to share it with somebody else. I'm going to share with you the video of what we just spoke about. I love you, Hashem. Thank you for sharing Rabbi Zakaria Wallerstein with us for all these years. Ready? Yeah! yeah. people 
that you think like, oh my God, look what I did for that other person. At the same time that you're saving the other person, you're saving yourself. When I see someone that's not keeping Shabbos, that's not eating kosher, that's not shemini gia, that that's not doing the right thing, instead of getting angry, I'm like, oh boy, we got a dollar for this person. One moment in this world, working for Hashem, helping his children, helping his world be a better place, says the Mishnah is better than the whole next world, because in the next world you don't work for Hashem. When you take it internally and you know that no matter what I'm going through, it's for my good, it's, it's, it's simcha, it's clarity, it's semech b'chelko, it's, it's a different life. There's no better feeling in this world than getting things because you earn them. Hashem is not bad at putting things together. There's no one extra in this world. If you woke up this morning and you are here, it is your job and your mission to figure out why. Thank you, Rabbi Lamb. Our next speaker is Rabbi Yoshua Zitron. He's a tremendous speaker. Inspires so many people day in and day out. It's a great honor to call upon Rabbi Zitron. I'd like to share with you a story that I heard personally from Rabbi Shol Rosen. Rabbi Shol Rosen uh, runs an organization called A-Time. It uh, deals with uh, people with infertility, people that are, are dealing with this difficulty. Uh, A-Time is there to uh, help them. And many times Rabbi Wallstein went and he spoke for, for the organization. And Rabbi Rosen was telling me two major events <clears throat> that he asked him to speak. So he came over to Rabbi Wallstein's office and uh, to invite him to speak. And Rabbi Wallstein came in one of the times and said, listen, he says, you know, I usually don't take money for my speeches, but um, this time I need to take money for, for the speech, not for me, but for, for the, he has a bunch of organizations, he needed to for the organizations. So Rabbi Rosen says, fine, you know, not a problem. And Rabbi Wallstein said, the cost is, you know, $5,000. He says, not a problem. They agreed on the amount and uh, they agreed that he's, Rabbi Wallstein is going to come speak for a time. After the event, he comes, Rabbi Wallstein comes, Rabbi Zachary Wallstein comes, he speaks at the event beautifully as always. And after the event, Rabbi Rosen goes over to Rabbi Wallstein and he says, Rabbi Wallstein, I got the check. Who do I make it out to? So um, uh, Rabbi Wallstein goes to him and he says, uh, make it out to eight time, which was his organization. I'm not taking any money. So he said, fine. He thanked him for coming and thanked him for the speech, thanked him for the donation. And uh, they went their separate ways. A short while later, there was another event that was happening, a Shabbaton. And Rabbi Rosen, again, wanted to invite Rabbi Wallstein to come speak. So he goes down to the office. He goes to Rabbi Zechariah Wallstein. He says, you know, I, we're having this event. I wanted to invite you to speak. Rabbi Wallstein said, of course, it'll be my pleasure. But I have to tell you, you know, I usually don't charge. But this time, I'm going to have to charge, um, uh, you know, for the organizations that I run. So Rabbi Rosen looks at him, smiles, and says, you know, Rabbi Wallstein, he says, uh, you know, we, we, we did this game ready before. He says, last time you told me that you were going to charge. Last time you told me it was $5,000. I came with a check afterwards, and you told me that uh, you didn't want to take it. So Rabbi Wallstein said, no, 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 no. This time I need it. I'm desperate. This time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take it. So he said, fine, not a problem. And uh, he, Rabbi Wallstein goes and says, after the, you know, the event, you come over to me, and I'll tell you who to make out of the check to. So Rabbi uh, Rosen says, not a problem. The, during the event, Rabbi Wasson gave his speeches, and throughout the night, throughout the day, throughout the Shabbos, he was speaking to couples that were dealing with this, uh, you know, unfortunately, the, the issue of infertility. And after Shabbos, Rabbi Rosen goes over to Rabbi Wasson and says, you know, he has a check. He says for $5,000 for, you know, for, the, for, the, for the speeches, who do I make it out to? 
So Rabbi Wallerstein looks at him and he says, make it out to a certain couple. Rabbi Wallerstein was speaking to a certain couple and he says, that couple were dealing with some sort of financial difficulty. I want you to take the money and pay to them. This is the story that Rabbi Rosen was telling me. And Rabbi Rosen went and, and he, explained, he, he took it a step further. He says, you know, this is the essence of who Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein was. He says, what, when he needed something, he says, the other person somehow came first. You know, like, you, you have so many stories where, that are coming out, that uh, I've said tremendous amount of stories of myself on it, where Robert Wallace paid for the people's yeshivas, tuitions, weddings, who, who knows, just dished out money for other people for Klal Yisrael. But I think it's a different level, where there is, Baruch Hashem, someone's blessed with a lot of money and he's using the money for good things, and he's supporting Klal Yisrael, and literally helping Klal Yisrael for whatever it is to, 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 that they go to Yeshiva, or be able to get married, or to any, anything and everything that he was used and to give for. But when someone's in need of money, when someone needs money for the organizations that they're running, and instead of taking that money and going and giving it to somebody else, that's where you know the essence of the person, where he's pushed against the wall, needs something, but he says, no, I'm not going to take anything. He says, this person, I just felt so much for all of Klal Yisrael that he needed to give the other person. And that's why instead of going and instead of taking the money for his organization, he says, no, now you have to go and you give it to the other organizations that's suffering for that infertility. I think that's a big myla of, and a big understanding of who Rev Zachariah Wallace really was. He was someone that just cared about everyone. And everyone's needs came before his own, before his organization. Like, it was all about the other person. That's what it was. It's a lesson that we could go and take away. The amount that he cared about other people, we should only strive to be able to cure that amount. Our next speaker is Rabbi Avram Stuhlberger, who is the Dean of Valley Torah High School in Los Angeles and is a, and, and is a tremendous, tremendous speaker. He always gives tremendous, tremendously powerful remarks. It's a great honor to go up on by Stolberger. I feel extremely privileged to have been asked to share uh, a thought, a story, something about Rabbi Wallerstein, someone who had a very deep and meaningful relationship. We didn't talk that often. So, I knew him for many, many years, and he certainly loved Valley Torah. He was always there for Valley Torah. And the fact that I can, in some, to some degree, express our chorus at Tov through this video and to share just an idea with you is very meaningful. So I want to thank Stories to Inspire for giving me this opportunity. It was a beautiful story. One of my favorite stories is about the Hasidim who went to the Chavetz Chaim's son. And apparently a group of Hasidim who are certainly, we know how Malava Malka's stories are so inspiring, and they were very big on stories during, uh, during Malava Malka, the Rebbe's War. So I guess they wanted to hear stories, and they went to the Chavetz Chaim's son to say, let's, can you share some stories about your father in the realm of Hatzadik Gozer Vakarish Baruch Hu Show us stories and tell us stories about your father, the great Chavetz Chaim, where when he decreed, when a tzaddik decrees, HaKadosh Baruch Hu fulfills that decree. So please, let's hear. And the Chavetz Chaim's son answered back, by my father, it was, it was even a greater miracle. By my father, it was HaKadosh Baruch Hu Gozer, Vatzadik Mekayim. 
By my father, his greatness was that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu decreed something, he fulfilled it, which means he, he followed the mitzvahs, he followed the Shulchan Aruch, he followed the Torah. And, by, and he was communicating, I guess, uh, in his style, that while, yes, there were amazing stories, but his greatness was that he followed the Shulchan Aruch. His greatness is when I, whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu decreed, he fulfilled it's a wonderful story, and it's a story that really gets to the core of what really essential Yiddishkeit is all about. While stories are beautiful, and, and miracles are, 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 are beautiful and amazing, the fundamental responsibility of all of us is to do the Ratzon Hashem. When I think of this incredible person, Rabbi Wallerstein, and just the way he interacted in my observations over the years that I knew him, maybe some 25 years that we had ongoing relationships regarding Valley Torah and different students, different individuals, there was one element that just struck me as being so powerful and, and such a lesson for all of us. It is determination to do the right thing. And the right thing by him really had no limitations, it had no bounds, it had no boundaries, it had no, it had no impediments. If there was a Jew in need, if somebody needed help, if there was a young man or a young lady who needed a connection, needed an inspiration, needed a shoulder to cry on, needed somebody to talk to, no matter what the situation, that's what a Kodesh Baruch Hu demanded, we have to respond. And he was always there. He just never allowed anything to get in the way of his ability to make a difference in a Jew's life, which is really the, the ultimate mes- message and the ultimate mission of a Kodesh Baruch Hu for us is to be the Mamlechus Kadam Vigoy Kadosh, and that is what it's all about. It's about impacting the world. Making a difference in a person's life. You know, we have an expression, uh, the Gemara talks about the fact that different people are going to, in a sense, be an indictment against all of us. You know, Hil Mechaivasanim, the Gemara says. If an Ani wants to say, I was too poor, how could I have learned uh, Torah? I had no money, I had to go out and work all the time. Well, Hil Mechaivasanim, Hil's life. Was, a, was an indictment, so to speak, to the Anim and, and sort of obligated the Anim to say, you're not poorer than Hillel. And you certainly, therefore, have every uh, responsibility, despite your impoverished state, to do the best you can. You can learn Torah. You can find some time to learn Torah. Well, I think in our generation, in our lifetime, I think Rabbi Wallstein is behind all of us in the realm of Abbas's Torah, in the realm of chesed, in the realm of being concerned for every single Jew, while you was busy as Rabbi Wallerstein, you have many things on your plate as Rabbi Wallerstein has. I know we have a lot of excuses. Maybe, you know, uh, it's uncomfortable or uh, I'm very busy and it's not really my style. It's not... I don't know how much it was Rabbi Wallerstein's style to be this incredible force, this dynamic force. I really believe in his early stages and maybe the beginning of his life in terms of his, uh, his uh, being a rabbi and being a rabbi Torah. could very well be he was, got out of his comfort level. I believe to some degree he did. I, again, I'm not uh, an expert in, in his life, but that really was my sense, that he sort of overcame certain natural obstacles. You know, he certainly started in the business world, but he recognized a need. And once he saw that need, and once he was in the mindset of doing the Ratzon Hashem, there was nothing that was going to stop him. And he was a person who was able to literally change the lives of, of countless people in so many different ways. And the organizations that he, that he created, were, again, they were organizations about Yechidim. They were organizations focused on the Yachid. 
And that's really a lesson I think we have to learn from his life and have to take from his life. And there's no greater chesed of payback that we can do than taking this message. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Gozer Batzadik Mekayim. That's what Rabbi Wallerstein, that was the idea of his life. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will. I have to fulfill it. And I'm therefore going to not let the time of day or how many responsibilities I have, or my schedule, or whatever else, um, my needs, I'm going to do this. How incredibly sometimes people who sort of fall into this trap of maybe wanting to help save the world very often leave their own family behind, and how intriguing and how inspiring it was, and how amazing it was to hear from his family how he was able to, again, because it's Hatzadik Gozer, that my family is my first need. And, I, and while I'm going to save the world, I'm not going to forget about my family. And he didn't. He was able to have that balance. And therefore, we have to learn from the totality of his life that when we do things, let's not let the, the, the cause blind us from the fundamentals of what we have to do. It's always about HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Gezeir. His Gezeir was, take care of your family, and then spread out. He took care of his family. He was an incredible husband. He was an incredible father. And then he was an incredible father to all of Klai Yisrael. One by one, step by step, he branched out to literally every part of the Jewish world. It's an incredible legacy left for us. But not so much just to, for us to admire from a distance. For us to live. For us to live by. For us to actually do. We have a neighbor. It might be uncomfortable for us to uh, talk to them and to uh, find out how they're doing. Let's do it. Let's do it because Rabbi Wallerstein let no impediment get in his way. Let's not our, let impediments get in our way. Let's emulate his incredible life. Let's learn from his lesson. It'll be the great, greatest chus that we can possibly do for his neshama, which already is resting on the highest levels in, in Gan Eden. It's what we can do. It's what we have to do. It'll be a great chus for him and maybe even more importantly, incredible chus for ourselves as we are now entering the time frame after Shuis where we have a long time before we get to, to recharge our batteries. Let's commit ourselves to this level of Abbas's Torah, this level of Chesed, to this level of Kaddish Baruch Hu goes of Atzadah Mekayim Bez Hashem, and in that schus of being the Memleches Kohanim Vagoy Kaddish, of teaching the world about Kaddish Baruch Hu and being Gomli Chesed to everyone around us, Bez Hashem, to CBS HaMashiach Vahim Yameinu. Thank you, Rabbi Stolberger. Our next speaker is Rabbi Yoshua Sova, who's, who, who, whose remarks are always touching. They're always, they're always moving. It's a great honor to go upon Rabbi Sova. We've been asked to give Divrei Zikaron of the untimely passing of a tzaddik yisod olam. No other words to describe him. Harav Zechariah Wallerstein was someone that could have very easily fallen into the lap of luxury and just sort of coasted and instead, he decided that Kadesh Baruch Hu gave him a mandate that he can and he will inspire thousands of Talmidim and Talmidot. And his effect to this day is still a worldwide reach that the repercussions is everlasting. And I'd like to share with you two stories that to me personally, I got tremendous chizuk from. Although I was not zochet to meet Rabbi Wallerstein in person, but I heard a few classes of his, like many people, and I was quite inspired with the content of, and the delivery of what he said. The first story was quite an amusing one, where he said 
Now he was trying to illustrate how people could be so lost in their world that they don't even realize their surroundings. And he said he was unaware that people were having these devices that you could plug into your ear, like with the Bluetooth, you're able to talk. And he said he was one time in a certain grocery store in Flappish, I believe it was, and as he's looking around, suddenly a woman who we knew from the area, obviously a few blocks away or a block away, they dominant in the same shul, she comes over and she gives Rabbi Wallace a nod, Rabbi Wallace, obviously he's polite, he gives her a nod as well. And as she's reaching over to grab one of the items, she goes, you know, I'm really thinking about that we should kind of have you over. Is that something that you would consider? So Rawasin is like, uh, okay, I mean, it is Thursday afternoon. I mean, his wife was planning on making Shabbat for everyone. And if she's asking, obviously, he's not going to say no. He doesn't want to make a person feel bad. So he says, as he's reaching over, he says, well, if you really want to have us, I can speak to my wife. No, 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 don't make a big deal about it. It's totally fine. Really, we want to just have you and your family. I'm not going to make anything normally that I wouldn't make. He says, well, if you're not going to make anything new with the make, I mean, I'll speak to my wife about it. We'd love to come to your house. I mean, is that okay with you? What time do you, what time do you start the meal? She says, we usually start around 12.30. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, fine. So Wallerstein hears, she, he just got invited. He puts the stuff back. He moves off to another aisle. And he calls his wife from his flip phone. And that's a key word we're going to say in the next story. He calls from his flip phone and he says to his wife, do you think we could eat and so-and-so says, really, so-and-so? I mean, I know them. They're in our periphery of friends. But, I mean, okay, if she invited you and you kind of said, yeah, I mean, I guess so. Why not? Okay. So anyways, Rawlstein hangs up on the call. And as he's looking around for the woman who just invited him, he wants to go over and confirm the invitation. Anyways, he noticed that she's at the checkout aisle. And doot, doot, doot. he walks over and he says, by the way, Mrs. So-and-so, I really appreciate your invitation. That is so kind and generous of you. And my wife and I are really looking forward to spending the Shabbat Suda at you at 12.30. She goes, Rabbi Wallace, what are you talking about? Because didn't you just say a few moments ago that you invited me? What? Rabbi Wallace, are you sure? Uh, yeah, I am kind of sure. I, I, I was standing, getting an item, and you were also reaching over. She goes, oh, I'm so, so sorry. I had a Bluetooth on in the other ear on the side that you were, you didn't see. I was talking to my friend. I was inviting my friend. Rawashin says, oh, don't worry about it. And he used that as a mashal. He used that as a parable to show. Sometimes you could be talking, saying the right things, asking the right questions, but you're completely not addressing the very thing that's right in front of you. And Rabbi Rawashin took head on the issues of substance abuse, the issues of abuse, of people who were neglected, forlorn, forsaken, and he took them in a warm embrace and was mechazek them and made them into people that could be mamidim alaragam. They literally could stand on their own two feet. The second story Rabbi Wallerstein said was that he was invited to speak, I'm not sure if it's a Gouda convention or a Tarmasar convention. It was a big convention and he was asked to speak. He was one of the featured speakers. Now, you have to understand something. They have certain slots for every single person to speak at. You miss the slot, you're done. Now, this would be great exposure for him, great exposure for all the various projects he's involved in. And a person that gets asked to speak is a big kavod for them to have a platform to show everyone what it is that they do and people to be quite impressed with them and to embark with them and be a partner in all the different things that they're involved in as well. So this is something Rabbi Wallerstein was looking forward to very much. 
He got to the convention 15 minutes late, which means in essence he lost prime slot, he lost the place that he was going to speak. They said, okay, we'll try and make it up for you. They gave him like a back end, like some like backwater speech. That he, and, and it turns out, because everyone was interested to hear what he said, the people came to that, even though it was after the program. I believe that's what the story was. And he got up there and he said, obviously Hashem wanted this to be, it's not my fault. And with that, he pulls out his cell phone. And he says, you can't blame me on this. I proudly have a flip phone. And I'm not going to get sucked into the bad, harmful things that I've personally seen that a phone could do. So one wise guy started like coughing or like motioning to him. He goes, are you going to ask about my wife? Don't worry. Her phone is tagged. And we got here through Waze. And Waze took us a very circuitous route until we got here. But the cell phone is one of the most destructive devices. And somebody said so poignantly, Robert Wallstein is probably one of the few people in all of Flatbush who has a flip phone. Doesn't mean that. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of Hashem people that have that. But it means is that someone who's involved in Chinuch, someone who's involved in a multi-million dollar industry, and he doesn't have a phone? How is he going to get in touch with people? How is he going to make the business decision? How is he going to be able to keep in contact with everyone? The answer is he did. You could rely on a person like that because it was important to him. Somebody like that, that you could have full reliance on, is going to be sorely missed in our community. This is someone who you knew you could rely on as a mentor, as a friend, as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a community member. Rabbi Wallerstein, you not were, you are a legend. You are somebody that we will forever remember. Someone that cared deeply of Klal Israel and specifically Benot Israel the women of our community. And I'd just like to conclude with the following. The Navi Zechariah, who he was so aptly named after, says so powerfully, Mordechai ben David made this into a beautiful song, Ko amar Hashem and says the, the Mepharshim, anytime it says Ko amar, that is a nevoah for nechama, for comfort. It will be that old men and old women will once again sit in the streets of Yerushalayim. Why Yerushalayim? We'll say in a second. And it will be each person with a staff in their hand because of advanced age. And in the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls playing in the streets. Isn't that unusual? They have a mishan. They have a staff. Why do they have the staff? So we want to say, based on the Vilna Gon, the Vilna Gon says in the bracha of Allah Tzadikim, Mishan o Miftach la Tzadikim. That's the Vilna Gon, what do you mean? Miftach la Tzadikim. Tzadikim are promised by Kadosh Baruch Hu that they'll never be forsaken, Hashem will never leave them. He's always going to be at their side. What does that mean? Mishan. You could rely. Says the Vilna Gon. Mishan means you literally have something tangible you could touch, like a stick. You could lean on it. And you know it's going to be there for you. You know you could rely on it. Rabbi Wallerstein was someone you could rely on. 
anyone at any time could pick up the phone or could come to him and to speak to him and you knew you could rely on someone that would at least help you for whatever situation was. Bechol matzav, bechol makom shem. It made no difference. He cared. Mishan, he was somebody that you could rely on. Tangible, it was real. It was something that wasn't fake. It was absolutely real for such a person. A tzaddik that really had a tremendous vested interest in everyone of Klal Yisrael. And that's the idea of Yerushalayim. Because what's Yerushalayim? That's an international city. Everyone. The Gemara tells us that everyone had a representation in Yerushalayim. It's Machloket, Yehuda, and Binyamin. But everyone agrees. At least that. It's not just one Shevet. It belongs to many. Rabbi Wallerstein belonged to many. In Yerushalayim, where everyone is one of each other and we look out for one another. That's Mishan. That's the idea of reliance on one another. And that's the idea as well. Rabbi Wallerstein, like the Navi Zechariah says, the person who had that staff that they were able to rely on from the many days and skipping because the young children, the youth, when they were able to see that it was real, it was tangible for the other generation, the older generation, they too were able to say they knew they had a bright and beautiful future. Rabbi Wallerstein, you gave us a bright and beautiful future the task and the charge that you've given us, we accept honorably, and we hope we will do you proud. Thank you. Hashem should give the family a nechama, a community in nechama, and all those people who were broken that were now healed, Hashem should be mechazek them, and they should go on to heal other people as well. Thank you for listening. And we should only share in smachot. Amen be'amen. So people are like, I have no use in the world, I have no reason to be here. I'm like, then you wouldn't have gotten up this morning. Who I am? is because of what happened to me. And if it wouldn't have happened to me, I wouldn't be who I am. The reason you're healthy is to appreciate, because through your appreciation, you're connected to Hashem. If you don't appreciate, you're disconnected 100%. Your status in everything has to be equal. You can't be in one thing more than the other. You can't sit home and say, money has to come to me, I'm not going to work. It should come to me. But everything else, I chase after. No, it doesn't work that way. Kaddish Baruch who has a special place in his heart, for the person who struggles. Can't get rid of an emotion, but you can change an emotion. Baruch understood that if a person doesn't appreciate what he sees, he sees his father and his mother, and he doesn't appreciate them, how is he gonna appreciate me? He doesn't see me. So it's a breakdown in connection. If you're not connected with your parents, you cannot be connected with me. Rabbi Solva, our next speaker is Rabbi Yaakov Rahimi, whose words always, always, always move Klai Yisrael. They, they always, they always, they always have such, such, such a tremendous impact. It's a great article upon Rabbi Rahimi. Now we're going to talk about Zechariah Wallerstein, Rabbi Tai, even though I never met Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein. I know some of you will be shocked, but I never met Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein. So why am I speaking about him for a few minutes? I think that could be the biggest reason. You don't have to meet Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein face to face to know the tremendous effect he made on this world. I think there's many lessons to be learned from him. Well, I'm going to share with you one lesson that we could take very lemaaseh, very practical for all those who are listening right now. Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein was a builder. Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein was a warrior. He was a fighter for Akadosh Baruch Hu. 
Sometimes, you know, when you read the history books, you learn about how you had a brigade of army, a big uh, battalion, whatever it's called, like a small group of army, and they were fighting the enemies. And sometimes the captain falls down. When the captain falls down, it's bad news for the rest of the soldiers. You always need one more guy to step up and say, I'll be the leader. Uh, but Tyrus Har Wallstein was one of the biggest soldiers that we had. He was standing up high with the sword, destroying the Yetzirah, destroying the culture. He was an FBI Fakadush Baruch Hu. He was a KGB CIA Fakadush Baruch Hu. He saw a Jew being kidnapped by the culture. Rabbi Zahar Wasim didn't sit around and do nothing. He actually tightened his belt and moved forward, charged, tackled the Yetzirah, and kidnapped the Jews back to Avinu Sheba Shemaim. Zahar Wasim was a real fighter. He was a true warrior of a Kadosh Baruch Hu. He fought the Yetzirah. Unfortunately, we lost from Zahar Wallstein, but the legacy and the message is still here. His tzeva'ah, his will is clear. We need strong fighters for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Every single person can fight for Hashem and fight the bad culture and save as many Jews as possible in their level. Whether it means starting a class in your shul. Whether it means pushing your friend to go to a class of Torah. Whether it means helping other people go learn Torah. Whether it means helping schools. Whether it means starting a shul. Whether it means at your work, you start a divrat Torah class five minutes a day. Whether it means going around the shuls and putting pamphlets of Torah. Whether it means recording other people learning Torah, this, uh, teaching Torah. There's so many things. Just try to be more open-minded. Try to think how... Can I make a difference in the world in fighting for Kadosh Baruch Hu? What can I do to help the cause? Whether it's Chesed, Bikur, Cholim, there's so many things a person can do. But you have to know that we need you. We need fighters for Kadosh Baruch Hu. The culture is strong. The Goyim's culture is very strong. And we're losing, unfortunately, we're losing our youth. Or Zachar Wallace fought for the youth. He didn't give up on them. Remember what I told you? He was a CIA, FBI, KGB agent for Kadosh Baruch Hu's spirituality. He would not let the culture kidnap and destroy the youth of the Jewish people. So every single one of you listening, try to think, what can I do to help? I got to do something. We lost a captain. We lost the main general, Zachar Wallstein. Who's going to take over? Who's going to run to the top of the mountain and say, I will fight for Kadosh Baruch Hu. I'm actually going to start making a huge difference to the Jewish people. Try to take something upon yourself. Take it to heart. Right now, take a pen, a pen, a piece of paper, take a notebook, go to Staples, buy yourself a nice composition notebook for a dollar or the dollar store in Dollar Tree and write down, what am I starting to do this week to help fight for Kadosh Baruch Hu, to fight the culture of the Goyim? What can I do to save as many Jewish people as possible? What can I take upon myself? And you're going to see that you have tremendous potential to accomplish a lot in this world. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, and I want to mention, sorry, there's a new organization starting a beautiful idea. It's called Siyum Yoimi, which means we're going to split up this organization, which you, the, the logo is on the flyer, they're going to split up Mishnayot every single day, which means you can have a person who wants to learn a Mishnah in Belgium, one guy in France, one guy in America, one guy in Israel, and every day someone takes another Mishnah. So all of us together finish the whole Sefer, Shisha Sidur Mishnah every single day. You know what that means? It's a tremendous effect on the world. Every day, all of us together, if we all take one Mishnah, one parak, every day we're finishing it together. We're making a siyum, we're completing Shisha Sidre Mishnah. That will bring tremendous bracha to the world. Try to take upon yourself one Mishnah, two Mishnayot, one parak for bracha, for atzlacha, or just learning for the sake of learning will bring so much brachot to the world. It's a beautiful organization called Siyumimi. Make sure you take part. Thank you so much for listening. So people are like, I have no use in the world. I have no reason to be here. I'm like, then you wouldn't have gotten up this morning. Who I am is because of what happened to me. And if it wouldn't have happened to me, 
I wouldn't be who I am. The reason you're healthy is to appreciate, because through your appreciation, you're connected to Hashem. If you don't appreciate, you're disconnected 100%. Your status in everything has to be equal. You can't be in one thing more than the other. You can't sit home and say, money has to come to me, I'm not going to work. It should come to me. But everything else, I chase after. No, it doesn't work that way. Kaddish Baruch Hu has a special place in his heart for the person who struggles. Can't get rid of an emotion, but you can change an emotion. Because Baruch Hu understood that if a person doesn't appreciate what he sees, he sees his father and his mother, and he doesn't appreciate them, how is he going to appreciate me? He doesn't see me. So it's a breakdown in connection. If you're not connected with your parents, you cannot be connected with me. Thank you, Rabbi Rahimi. Our, our, our final speaker for this evening is Rabbi Daniel Koren. Who's, the, who's, one of, who's one of the rabbis of 18 Forche in Muncie, New York. And his, his, his daily clips are, are sent out through WhatsApp and on tour anytime and so many other platforms. And, and he inspires so many people. And it's our great, great honor to call upon Rabbi Daniel Koren. Left this world with an incredible void. Two aspects that I think stand out more than anything else, at least for myself. Number one, his incredible love for Klaal Yisrael, especially when it came to teenagers, girls that were in the worst places, pe- girls that people maybe wouldn't even look at. He was ready to save them, do whatever they need. And I have no doubt when he came to Shemaim, I once heard him speak about the, the rings that girls would put in their noses and ears and mouths and lips and everything else. When he came to Shemaim, there was this gigantic spiritual ring that greeted him. Number two is incredible connection and attitude towards truth. There's nothing that's going to stop Abzachai Wallerstein from making sure that the truth is expressed and what needs to be done gets done. said when a tzaddik leaves the world, a person leaves this world and he has special midas they become hefker. You could grab onto these midas, these attributes. This is the time to step up. The Gemara says in Kedushin, as the sun goes down, the sun comes up. This is a time where we need the sun to come. And it could be that sometimes it's done by a few people. We need people to step up, people that are going to decide I'm going to go beyond my comfort zone and I'm going to love and be non-judgmental to the teenagers that need so much of our love and concern and to be a real, really dedicated to the truth. A truth seeker, a person that wants the emes to come into the world. The seal of HaKadosh Baruch is the emes and we need, to live, we need to live like that. We need to bring that out a little bit more, and that will be the greatest memory from Zechai, for Zechai Wallstein. When you help other people, and you think, like, oh my God, look what I did for that other person, at the same time that you're saving the other person, you're saving yourself. When I see someone that's not keeping Shabbos, that's not eating kosher, that's not shemini gia, that that's not doing the right thing, instead of getting angry, I'm like, oh boy, we got a diamond for this person. One moment in this world, working for Hashem, helping his children, Helping his world be a better place says the Mishnah is better than the whole next world because in the next world you don't work for Hashem. When you take it internally and you know that no matter what I'm going through, it's for my good, it's, it's, it's simcha, it's clarity. 
It's a mech mechalko. It's it's a different life. There is no better feeling in this world than getting things because you earn them. Hashem is not bad at putting things together. There's no one extra in this world. If you woke up this morning and you are here, it is your job and your mission to figure out why. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire dot org.